If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is an auspicious occasion, Counterpoint Tonight, because we introduce a, a new contestant, combatant, dare I say. Stephen Kersner is uh, in studio. He is the award-winning writer and producer, best known as the creator of the Canadian icon since the late 80s, Ed the Sock. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Peter. And I think you and I have different definitions of the word auspicious. Oh, maybe it's suspicious, I should yeah, that, have said. That, that I would go with first. All right. Speaking All right. speaking of suspicious, the other panelist tonight is the award-winning writer and uh, producer and best... No, that's you. That's me. <laughs> the, the award-winning lawyer, <laughs> broadcaster, <laughs> formerly president of the Liberal Party of Canada. He's everywhere. Stephen Ledrew. Hi, Stephen. Brother Sherman, lovely to chat with you and lovely to uh, have a connection with Ed the Sock. Oh, there you go. And you do We're as of tonight. Okay. Cigar choppers. He's he's great, and and uh, next time you can come in as opposed to be on the phone, and you can meet him personally. But tonight we uh, we convene this way, and good to have you both here. Um, I, I have a question that I want to start with, and it's a simple question. Uh, it's about some suggestions that uh, came out today from. I guess they're calling him the health czar, Ruben, Dr. Ruben Devlin, who was appointed by Doug Ford uh, almost immediately after uh, Premier Ford took office. And he was appointed to essentially examine and rewrite the rules of how we deliver health services. And one of the things he's saying is the communication protocols that we use to communicate with our providers, notably our doctors, should become much more electronic. And I don't think anybody could really disagree with the basis there. So let me ask you this question. Should we be able to, using secure texting, text back and forth with our healthcare providers, notably our doctors? Let me start with you, Stephen Kirzner. No, absolutely we should not. The, uh, the This isn't a line in the sand. This is a line in the concrete. The world needs to stop thinking that everyone has to be available to them at all hours every day, which is the way it is now. I'm old enough that I was running a TV station years ago, and when I left that station, I didn't get a call unless the place was on fire until I came in the next day and opened my office. There was no expectation that I'd be checking my email and having correspondence. There was a separation between work and home life. It's gone now. It is. And what a, no. what a dinosaur that thing that is. You know what? I mean, we should have better communication, Stephen. There's no question about that. And if someone is ill, there's no re- and they're in particularly an isolated location, there's no reason why they can't text their doctor. And the doctor doesn't have to accept texting. What's the I mean, point of texting them if they're not going to accept the text? Something. The doctor's not going to be prescribing something or prescribing something based on a text, but they can make appointments. They can get into the modern world of being able to communicate instantaneously. And if you have a doctor who doesn't want to do that, they can tell you, fine, that's it. So yeah, it's not, this isn't, well Stephen, this isn't Amazon. It's, it's, it's medical care. And right. first of all, I, listen, I've got some relatives that if they could text really? the doctor, if they, uh, if they, thank you, that snark was great. If they, uh, if they could uh, text their doctor, their doctor would be text 
all the time. <laughs> they would have absolutely zero. The doctor could not and have any chance to read their Are you an unknown part phone. of my family? <laughs> I think extended family. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's, there has to be a limit. Uh, doc, the, we have telehealth. There's, there's services you can go, you can call, you can get online. We also have emergency rooms. Your point about remote locations is, is well taken. Um, but, uh, and, you know, in places that there aren't emergency services and so on, it's a different story. There are certain case-by-case when my wife had her wisdom teeth out. They did dig into her jaw. The dentist said, because this was such serious surgery, gave her his phone number at home because it was it was serious. Um, and in those circumstances, sure. But as a matter of course, being able to text your, your doctor, n- no. Uh, doctors deserve well, to have know, office hours. Let me put some definition in terms to this thing. All right. Uh, if, if you say, should we be able to text our doctor? And let me let me throw it to you, Stephen LeDrew. If I say, should we be able to text our doctor? That's a pretty broad question. Uh, what if there was a way to interface with your doctor and ultimately get to text him or her without necessarily revealing his or her phone number, cellular phone number, but in an urgent situation, there could be a connection that allowed the the interplay of texts between the two of you. You mean like beepers? Well, not like well, beepers. That's a terrific thing, though. In other words, why should we make a hard and fast rule as governments try to do, uh, and, and, you know, the, the rules don't apply to everybody. So in certain circumstances, texting your doctor is, is fantastic. Um, in other circumstances, one, it's a nuisance, or two, you're going to get bad advice, or three, the doctor's going to be liable for prescribing something when he, doesn't have all, he or she doesn't have all the facts. So, again, it comes down to an individual situation. Why there should be a general rule from some uh, person down there at Queen's Park saying none of this or yes to all of this is baloney. Well, you know, what it comes down to, I think, and I'm, we, I think we could probably all agree on this, is can we change communications protocols with health service providers? I hope so. We're in 2019 and we have lots of options. Well, Telehealth, you mentioned, yeah. could have FaceTime. Somebody suggested that earlier so that we actually had body language. The, That's a good pe- idea. But those people are there at FaceTime specifically like people on crisis hotlines. They're there specifically for that purpose. It's not your doctor who's put in their hours during the day and now is being driven crazy by somebody who thinks that, you know, a, a man who thinks he has ovarian cancer. You know, it's not, they went online, they searched symptoms and said, I think I have this. There's, we used to have beepers. Doctors used to have beeper pagers and it would go to a service. So if there was an emergency. God, are you old? Uh, no, I'm informed. Um, I prefer classic. Uh, there, there would be, if there was an emergency, you could contact, it would go to the service, and the service would, had a list of, I guess, had some discretion, could contact the doctor, and the doctor could be, and, and maybe that still exists. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. That's okay, but just willy-nilly? Okay. No. Stephen, you have one point to make. right when you talk about body language. Yeah. It's all body language. It is. I, I think communication, and particularly on something as personal as healthcare, requires body language, if at all possible. Okay, guys, let's move on to another subject before we have to take a break. And that is, uh, it, it's a lot simpler than debating whether or not we should be able to uh, interface with our doctors via text. Uh, this is a video that uh, has been circulating from Pride on Sunday. Two women, um, young women, 
you know, nice looking, regular young women uh, enjoying right. Pride came up behind a uh, fairly tall, nice looking police officer, obviously assigned to police the scene. Uh, one proceeded to take a picture of the officer's butt, and the other uh, gave it a couple of nice slaps, and the officer turned around, gave them a broad smile, tapped them each on the shoulder, and walked off. Nice little scene. If that had been a female police officer and two guys coming up behind her, would we have seen the same thing, Stephen LaDrue? Oh, absolutely not. We would have had somebody uh, charging them. You know that. I mean, How do you explain the difference? Well, it's a difference of sexes. And, you know, all the time today people are talking about, well, you know what, we are going to reveal the sex of our child. We are going to talk about he or she. We are going to talk about whether, in fact, someone is, you know, binary or not. But, you know, the fact is that there is a difference of the sexes, and you can't do that. You simply can't do that. A man can't do that because uh, to a woman because he is going to get lynched. Yes, I agree with you. Okay, but, but there's a better reason why a man can't do that uh, to a woman, and it has to do with history and uh, the, the, the way women have been treated and were forced to to smile and be happy about getting patted on the fanny for years. There's a different historical context between a woman a being treated, being pa- pa- uh, you know, touched on the bum, and a, a policeman. Well, Why you know what? St- have to smile now instead of saying, "Leave my Stephen alone." I got to tell you, I did. Well, there are guys who do that, I think, and I've been I've been told so by uh, by some guys in talking about this very subject. That said, this cop liked it. And and my thesis on this, thesis, my thoughts on this uh, are, are simple. I think men like being what would be described from the by the other side as harassed. We kind of enjoy it. It, it. it draws attention to us. Whereas women, because they have been maltreated, as Stephen Kirzner correctly points out, say, hey, that's an affront. It's a very different context. And you know what? Uh, if you're, if you're being cry. patted on the butt and you're a man and you like it, it's not harassment. If, what if you're a man and you don't like it? Then it's harassment. Then you turn around and you then tell them to do something. Well, you know what it is? Harassment has to be persistent. Uh, then it's, it's, what it is is assault. Now, it doesn't mean you necessarily charge them, but you can say, you know, keep your hand to yourself you know, or whatever. You even that what? if, a, if, a, if a man had done that to a female cop or a female of any gen- of any you know, a female of any uh, gender? They would have been, uh, well, that happens these days. There are females of different genders. Um, then they would have been uh, subject to charges. They would, yeah, they would have been arrested. Absolutely true. No, so, they wouldn't necessarily have been arrested. Well, I think they would have been. And if it was well, a cop, yes, they, they were would have been or else The cops would not have been doing their job. You know what? Cops, though, in, in Toronto, listen, this is the place where that madman with, the, with his van killed a bunch of people, got out of his van and told the police officer, shoot me, kill me. And the cop said, no, I'm not going to do that. We have police officers here who are experts at not accelerating or... Uh, There's I, I, a big difference between smacking somebody on the rear end... Of course there is, but we're trained... Police, pol- police in Toronto, uh, police in, in Ontario are trained not to freak out, not to go like la- we are. saw last yeah. week online, pull guns on uh, somebody because their kid may have you taken a Barbie from a dollar right. store. You are absolutely right in half of the sense of that. On the other hand, the police are trained not to let sexual harassment go by. And if a man had done that to a woman, he would have been arrested. So our conclusion all the way around here is that there's a difference between the genders and we have to be observant of that. Is that fair? Which Uh, genders, Peter? 
No, I'm talking about the two genders. I'm not talking about sexuality. That's a range, which I acknowledge. But there are two genders, and and those two genders have to respect each other's wishes. And the wishes generally of women is don't pat my fanny. And the wishes generally of men, well, I don't know. I don't mind. But some men do. Well, it depends on who it is in the context. And you know what? Generally, don't pat anybody uh, anybody's fanny Unsolicited. if you don't think that they're really interested <laughs> in it. Go. This is CounterPoint. We have uh, two panelists today. Stephen Kersner joins us for the first time. He is uh, the creator of Ed the Sock. That is an iconic character in uh, Canadian, let's call it comedy. I think that's fair. Is that fair, Stephen? You can say whatever you like. I, well, to me, it's always been comedic. <laughs> and Stephen Ledru, who is the more serious of the two, dare I say. No, Stephen Ledru, well-known lawyer, broadcaster, writer. Good to have you both with us. Let's Let's talk Lovely about to be here. nobody right. with those bow ties is too serious. No, no, no. He's a serious guy. He's a serious oh, yeah. guy. You know, the red glasses just uh, obviate that. I know, and, <laughs> and it, it highlights everything. So, everybody out there who hasn't heard of what a land acknowledgement is is finding out about that today. A land acknowledgement is uh, essentially something that flows from our indigenous communities, uh, and it's referred to on the city's website. The city acknowledges the fact that we uh, we acknowledge uh, our territory, the territory on on which we exist. The city of Toronto, which is what we're talking about because this pertains to pride, is located on the traditional territory of several nations, the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and it's covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. So there, it's for real. Well, it, it seems that a land acknowledgement sign was posted at Pride over the weekend, and it read, Land Acknowledgement, what is that? Let us journey together. Take a moment to connect with the land that you are currently standing on. Now introduce yourself spiritually. Build a relationship with Mother Earth that provides for all our relations. Nice thoughts. No problem with that. It sounds However, like a yoga it, well, something. It sounds spiritual, which is what it's meant to do. And it's, it comes from a spiritual people. The thing is, it doesn't acknowledge that. And there are a lot of people who got ticked because and started tweeting, going to social media over the weekend and yesterday, because it didn't acknowledge that this was an indigenous people's acknowledgement. It was the land acknowledgement comes from our indigenous um, citizens. And they've been doing this for 10,000 years. And so we kind of dissed them that way. And then, and so Pride apologized. And Pride also said, the person who wrote that for us is an indigenous person themselves. Some people tweeted, well, now you did two things wrong. You didn't post that it was uh, an indigenous wish, and you threw an indigenous person under the bus because they made a mistake. I, I My attitude on this is, you know what, it was a mistake. They apologized. It won't happen again. But other people are saying otherwise. What do you think, Stephen LeDrew? Well, I, I'm actually a little bit sick of every political person or politically sensitive person standing up and before they say anything, talking about who used to own these lands. And then they talk about Turtle Island. I once did a survey at a table of a function. Does anybody here know what Turtle Island means? No, I do, but they didn't. And no one really gave a rat's ass about what was being said out there. I think we are in a hyper-politically sensitive era, and this has got to stop. I really think it does. And it also shows the story, of you, as you outlined it so well, Peter, that it was an Indigenous person who wrote this, and some non-Indigenous person is saying, shame on you. Oh, 
give us a break. Well, this is the age when people tend to get offended, not on behalf of themselves, but on behalf of somebody else. But I don't agree with you, Stephen, in the sense that this needs to stop. What I think is, what does this even do? What does what does any what do any of these statements do besides make the person making the statement and the people listening to it feel like they've done something good for them? You know, as, as people that day, has it has it helped the the water? On reservations, has it helped any of the abuse that goes on, the alcohol abuse, the things that uh, that uh, Indigenous people, women have suffered? Has it done a damned thing? No, because it's easy You're to right. make a statement, but it's difficult to actually do something. It's real easy to pretend that you're such a great person because you've made a written statement. Listen, I used to work at uh, Much Music, and there was a person there who was so far left, she had Che Guevara uh, flags on her desk and so on. <laughs> and my wife and I I took a, uh, there was a homeless woman across the road who was sick. She had pneumonia. And I said, here's, mo- here's money to go to a hotel till you could get better, then we'll hire you. We hired her um, and t- took her in the building, helped rehabilitate you know, her socially. She'd been on the street for 11 years. The worst people to her were the, the ones who were the loudest leftists. Because for them, it was basically, could you go back across the street and be a statistic I could care about and, and sound like a compassionate person? They were the worst. And I was a conservative at the time. It's the, these people who beat their chest um, do so because they want to tell everybody what wonderful people they are, but actually doing something, actually well, helping prime, somebody is I, too I much work. I agree with you more. For the prime minister of Canada to stand up and say that every time, He's anywhere for the Premier of Ontario, the former Premier of Ontario, stand up and say that. And we have, we have communities in northern Ontario, northern Canada, that would make India look like uh, Wall Street, would look like uh, Fifth Avenue in, in New York. We have, we have terribly treated people. Indigenous peoples, and, for, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. So what you guys are saying, you're, you're both saying, screw the, screw your sign, do something. Well, I'm saying yeah. go ahead and, and make the statement, but do well, something beyond that. Don't just walk around with a halo that I have I acknowledged you, these Steve. people. Steve, I go farther than you because I say don't make this statement because you're being sanctimonious and you're being a hypocrite. And you're saying you care about this if you're in office. By saying that, you say you care about it and you do squat about it. So I'm saying, I'm going farther than you. I'm going to say, don't say that to me. Somebody should stand up. And I, I, I did it one time. I said, this is bullshit. Because you are not doing anything except for trying to make yourself feel better by saying this. Well, it's a, I think it's a step in a direction of making people aware. But... It's, I think it also help, has uh, the effect of telling people, like waving your finger at, you shouldn't be on these lands. Well, you know what? Everybody's going to be offended. It proves the point. Everybody's going to be offended by almost anything. Somebody's going to be offended by almost anything. By almost anything. What would, what would AM radio do if people weren't offended by things? Well, that's why we do these shows. Exactly. That's what talk radio is about. Let's, let's change now, subjects. Is anybody offended by what Steve and I just said to you? Uh, well, probably not. Okay, and if there is, we'll try they'll, they'll call us up and say so. We'll try harder. I know you will. <laughs> and we're going to have one more subject here before we have to call it a day on CounterPoint. Uh, so let's talk for a moment about the fact that the province's ombudsman uh, filed his report publicly. Uh, and uh, the the number one item that hit the, the desk of the ombudsman of the province of Ontario was the way the province has handled the sale of legal cannabis. 2,400 complaints. Know what number two was with uh, just under 600 complaints? The autism file. How do you how do you rank your priorities, people? There are more of you who care about the sale of cannabis than who care about autism. Let me ask you, Steve. 
Uh, I think it's more a question of there's there are a lot of very uh, organized uh, active activist groups about autism that are out there. So maybe people feel they don't need to contact the ombudsman. They're going directly to the media. They're going directly to protest at Queens Park. Whereas these poor these poor <laughs> the beleaguered stoners are, dude, you're harshing me out. You know, I've never seen more uh, a group that is uh, are bigger whiners than these marijuana users who are. It's legal now. You're not going to go to jail for using it. Yeah, there's bumps along the way in setting it up, but it's a step in the right direction. My God. I have never heard people whine. Talk about first world problems. It's like, what are they going to complain about next? That the, the, the Cheetos that they're eating as munchies are making their fingers too orange? <laughs> they're too dry. Does yeah, like, not, like, come on, uh, mean, really. Does it, not, does it not show that the government should not be in the business? Governments, you know, cannot run businesses like that. They shouldn't be in that business. Governments can No government can run any business. And by the way, we had this guy on, uh, Russell Barth, last hour, who describes himself as the angriest pothead in the country. And I said, is this just Ontario? He says, no, it's every province. They're going on strike in Quebec. <laughs> They're going on pot strike? The guys who sell the, the, the dope are going on strike. The government should not be in the business of doing this, but it also shows that not only should they not be in the business of doing this, but look at the time it's taking. There are so many serious issues to be dealt with in this government, in our society in Ontario, and the ombudsman who is there to improve government services is dealing with the biggest file is dealing with potheads not getting it delivered to their door on time. Maybe, wait, wait, maybe, maybe we should have the ombudsman get texted by people. Maybe we should let the, everyone we should text the, the ombudsman. The, doctor, the yeah. doctors can text that, him. That's right. All right. Guys, it's been a pleasure and uh, very nice to, to have, be, always to be with you, Stephen Ledrew. Very nice to meet you, Stephen Kersner. Glad to be here. Stephen Kersner, creator of Ed the Sox, Stephen Ledrew, broadcaster, writer, lawyer, and regular contributor here. Both of you regular contributors now, I hope. Uh, that's been Counterpoint. I am Peter Sherman in for Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.